Ladies and gentlemen, ghouls and ghosts, welcome to the most spine-tingling event of the year, the Eerie Excellence Awards. Tonight we gather here on this crimson carpet to celebrate the macabre and the mysterious as we honor the chilling tales from the crypt that have kept us all on the edge of our seats in season one. As you make your way down this blood-red carpet, be prepared to enter a world where darkness meets delight, where the strange and supernatural reign supreme, and truly, where the eerie meets excellence. Our honorees tonight are the twisted minds and wicked imaginations behind the spine-chilling stories that have haunted our dreams and stirred our darkest fears. Our nominees and guests tonight have ventured beyond the realm of the living and into the depths of the unknown. They've brought us tales of revenge from beyond the grave, tales of love twisted by the supernatural, and stories of dark deeds and deadly secrets. These are the tales from the crypt that have thrilled, chilled, and sent shivers down our spines, dear listeners. So prepare yourselves for an evening filled with eerie enchantment and spectral splendor. The Eerie Excellence Awards promise to be a night of diabolical delight where the spirits of the crypt rise to applaud the most haunting achievements in television's darkest corner. Enjoy the evening, kiddies. I know I sure will. And stay tuned because the festivities are just about to begin. and ghouls, it's time to gather round us horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to the first ever Eerie Excellence Award Ceremony. We're celebrating season one tonight because we have so many great memories of season one of Tales from the Crypt. You've been with us for a short period of time. We've been with you forever, baby. We are eternal. We will last in your souls. And hopefully you you feel real uncomfortable after last week's episode. So you came back because you're curious and you can't let us go. Um, But... (laughs) What we're here to do tonight, we're here to talk about our overall thoughts on season one of Tales from the Crypt, and then just a couple of categories, give out some awards, and then finally, we're going to rank all of our episodes from worst to best. So like always, I am joined by my two right-hand men. What's going on, Devilish Dan? 
Uh, I'm dressed up in my Hollywood finest. I got a, a I don't know, like a fucking Ascot or something on. And, nice, uh, Freddie you know, like Jones. Yeah, you know, tuxedo, uh, top hat, uh, um, spats. What are spats? Spats are a thing. Uh, yeah, I'm looking good. I'm on the red carpet for this award ceremony. See, I am in a, uh, I am in the traditional robe that I normally wear when I'm horrifying Hunter, but it's a tuxedo no robe, so it's just like printed on the front of. It. I am also not wearing pants, but you know the robe, the robe makes that happen. Somebody who is an expert at not wearing pants, what's going on, Petrified Preston? Hey, I might be naked, but at least I'm drinking a martini. You know, I mean, that, that might be why you're naked. Let's go. We're celebrating, man. Season one in the books. We got to give some awards away, fellas. Do some rankings. I'm excited for this. I can't believe we're already through. You know, I mean, it's a it's a short season objectively, but hey, six episodes in, we're doing good. Preston, do you like a, a gin martini or a vodka martini? You know, the thing is, I don't even like martinis, but if I was going to have one, it would definitely probably need to be vodka. I'm more of a mule guy, to be honest ah, with you. That's my go-to. I can't I put an olive in a mule, to. though. That'd be disgusting. Yeah, to hell with that. Let's just go ahead and open up. Let's talk about our overall thoughts on season one. This is kind of just an open roundtable. But season one, obviously, a lot riding on this. We had to, we really had to make a statement with this. Now, I'm saying we like I created the series. The podcast did as well. But more specifically, the creators of the series, they're like, hey, we want to do a horror anthology. All those wonderful people that we talked about all the way back in episode one top tier talent from Hollywood. We're going to do this horror anthology and we're going to do it right. And now that we've made it through all six episodes, how do you guys feel? How do you think that the, they did overall? Uh, I think they did uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. The, my main concern about it and uh, uh, doing a little work into season two is still a bit of a concern is a lot of these are about people that uh want money from their significant other uh it's a little samey uh i'd like to see them branch out a little more in future seasons which i'm sure they will uh but yeah like in the last three episodes uh before um collection completed they, they were all kind of about someone trying to screw over a husband girlfriend boyfriend wife for money yeah, that's a really good point. And I think one thing that Dan's kind of getting at is I feel like the first half of this season was much stronger personally mm -hmm. uh, than the second half. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, I do think it's really, I mean, it's still impressive, uh, even if this isn't the best season. Uh, it's very exciting, obviously, that I feel like, you know, the best is, is kind of yet to come. And I'm so looking forward to get into the second and the third season and so on. Um, but yeah, just some really solid episodes with a couple really big standouts that I think might, you know, be some of the top ones as we continue covering them. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really like what they did, and it was obviously groundbreaking for the time. I mean, for them to be able to kind of create an anthology series like this, obviously the Crypt Keeper himself is established. And again, uh, you know, pardon the phrase again, but the best is yet to come for for the Crypt Keeper, that's mm-hmm. for sure, as he only grows to be that much more iconic as the series rolls on. But I mean, it was certainly more highs than lows in the in the first season, for sure, in, in my thoughts. Yeah, I'm not saying that any of the episodes are were bad at all. I, everything Can had you sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, one of them might have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, but even that one, you know, had something to love about it. There was always a little something. Everything, uh, every episode uh, had uh, you know some creativity behind it, some good stars, some good acting. Uh, maybe the story wasn't always there, but yeah, um, definitely a, a great way to get off the ground and. Obviously, it got picked up for a season two for a reason. Yeah, you guys have really covered it. I just think that the season one introduction um, with those first three episodes all coming out on the same night, they really came out guns blazing with some of the top tier episodes that I think in the entire series. And of course, they're some of the most iconic. I'm thinking of all through the house uh, mainly, but just that episode has become a holiday classic. And it's something that people who don't even watch Tales from the Crypt are very familiar with. And I think even the other ones, The Man Who Was Deaf, and then uh, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone, those episodes have become iconic in their own ways. The rest of them, I feel like, are memorable to people who are familiar with the series. But whether or not those episodes work for you kind of up and down. I wish that I liked the Tom Holland directed episode better, for instance, like Mm -hmm. I just, there were, there was potential there, but there's no denying that all of these episodes had a really solid backing to get them off the ground and whether or not they worked for me. You know, I, I, I can see what tales from the crypt ultimately became. And I had a good time watching season one and actually analyzing it with you guys this is the first time i've ever actually set and these things haven't just been you know in the background or something that i casually watch to actually sit and observe and watch these episodes and uh, take down multiple meanings and favorite bits and everything like that it's really cool um and, and i've really enjoyed doing it and i just know that season two is a, a very strong season of the series um they really ramp up everything that we loved from this season and uh, i just can't wait to get into that with you guys the one thing you too you have to remember about these episodes is this is the first time they're adapting you know what five to seven page stories from comic books from at the point at that point 40 years ago um, yeah they, they they had to figure out where what kind of tact to take with that what style to go how how far away from the original source material can we get so i think we've seen some of them got a little further away and some of them probably hedged a little too close uh, one thing I'd like to make note of before we continue and kind of get into our different rankings and and, and calling things out for, as far as awards go, uh, I'd like each of us to kind of give where we were with the series as far as how much of it we had viewed to this point. So like the first season, I had definitely seen all the episodes in the first season prior uh, to covering them with you guys. However, there were certainly a couple episodes I was much more familiar with than the others so uh hunter i'm pretty sure you had seen them all dan i know there was definitely a few i think that you hadn't seen right no same exact i've seen uh, or before this point i had seen all of season one and at least okay. most, most if not all of season two but even at this point it had been 
probably three years since I watched any of them. Gotcha. But, yeah, and, and, obviously, there was some that you know stuck out in the mind. You know, uh, obviously, all through the house is the one that that really stuck out, but a couple others as well. I'm just uh, I'm just really excited because as we get into season two, like I feel like I feel like even though there's some really like classic episodes, a lot of it I feel like I'm unfamiliar with. So it's going to be really fun, kind of getting into those uh, with fresh eyes. It might be an interesting perspective. Yeah, it's just so easy for season one. You pop in the single DVD and you could really just click play all and you could run through these within what, two and a half hours or, you know, even less than that. So it's just very easy to to watch all of them in one sitting with season two being so uh, expanded. Like it, I mean, it's a huge jump as far as content. Um, It's going to be interesting to do this type of award show (laughs) next time when we finally get there. I mean, we've got (laughs) almost like what, 20 weeks before we get there, you know, like we've got a long time, but um yeah i think just i'm really excited for the prospect of hitting season two with you guys and then even after that you know we still we still have a lot to go so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's been a journey and like i said on the last episode or if you skipped it you know shame on you but go back and listen to it (laughs) but um it's just been really fun not only sharing it with you guys but everybody that is getting into uh, tales from the crypt for the first time or revisiting a classic so uh, make sure that you continue to just interact and leave your reviews and that sort of thing because this has become just as much about y'all's memories of tales from the crypt as it is for us and and our viewing and yeah it's become a really special thing amen all right so let's talk about some of our favorite and least favorite uh little things but we're gonna start with a uh, a big one i want to ask you guys what is your favorite crypt keeper bit from season one this can either be from the intro or the outro preston why don't you go ahead and start us off Man, this was a pretty easy one for me. I mean, kind of going through them, you know, as we kind of established throughout the course of this first season, you know, they were really just finding their footing, you know, with with the Crypt Keeper and some of these intros. And I know we're not necessarily focusing on the outros, but kind of kind of similar. I mean, I can't not pick Santa Crypt Keeper. I mean, come on. That damn thing was creepy. I mean, we talked about that mask in the episode. He's wearing the suit. I mean, I I just, that has to be my uh, favorite intro thus far of season one. Of course, I'm talking about in All Through the House. Dan, you want to go ahead and go next? I do. I was going to go with uh, Rubber Face Santa as well, but since Preston took that, I'm going to go with my close second, which was the outro to Lover Come Hacked Me, where, uh, the Crypt Keeper is struggling as hell to keep the hat on his head. I don't know. I just found something really funny about watching that hat and watching that puppet try to interact <laughs> with another piece of fabric that wasn't attached to his body. I know it's probably not even meant to to be the main focus, but <laughs> man, it's pretty fucking funny if you go back and watch it. <laughs> Preston, I thought for sure maybe you and I would have the same one, but I'm really glad that you picked the one that you did because if we didn't, we would get a bunch of people. Like everybody would go change their iTunes reviews to like one stars <laughs> if we didn't mention creepy cryptkeeper Santa. But mine was a pretty simple one, but it just really established the tone of the series for me. And that was actually from Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. I love the set dressing slash setting the table and grabbing mm. the the book 
uh, oh, introduction yeah. that the Crypt Keeper does in that one. It's just very classic. I love the idea of sitting with our favorite little Yoda man as he tells us another creepy bedtime story and watching him light the candle and get everything arranged just how he likes it. It's just a fun little bit. And I, I think it works almost as like an introduction to the series itself. Um, so, yeah, I, I had to pick that one. But yes, I think that objectively Creepy Santa is the correct choice. And and let's be real, Hunter. I mean, you've recreated all of these in your home with with the animatronic. I know what you're yeah. doing in your spare time. Yeah, that's right. Licking them feet, baby. Um, the candle. We won't hold on to the candle. Damn it! Keep that hat on. <laughs> I want to. I want to see me in the reflection of your eyes, Crypt Keeper. Oh, oh, eyes. oh um, Jesus, Preston! I'm going to kick it right on back to you because we've got to talk about your specialty. We got to talk about the best comic adaptation of the season. So we had six stories, six adaptations. Which one came out on top for you? Man, you know, if I said it once, I said it, you know, six times throughout the course of this season when we covered this. Just unbelievably impressive. Really each and every one of these on, you know, when they were made. I mean, we're talking about the early to mid 50s with most of these and and just the stories that they were able to capture in such a few amount of pages. Just just so impressive, man, and, and enjoyed getting into to each and every one of these. You know, for this one, I actually kind of get drawn back to something that Dan brought up regarding this particular topic, and I'm going to bring that up. Um, it's Dig That Cat. He's real gone. Love this story. Love the twisty kind of turns it takes. And the thing about the comic in particular, and Dan, I'm, I'm so sorry to steal your line from him, is this one, they are really able to utilize, you know, the budget of a comic versus the budget of the series, right? So we get some really elaborate kind of deaths in this one um, on the pages. And I mean, the, the, the story in the, in the show does a good job with it as well, but they can't quite go as far and as big as the comic goes. Um, I do like the art in this one, you know, like some of them, it does get wordy. So, you know, that, you know, that's a thing for sure, but really love the color in this. And um, again, just the story itself, the simplicity and the huge twist at the end, I thought was really fantastic. So, yeah, I went with uh, Dig That Cat. He's real gone. That's a good choice. Dan, what about you? So when we're talking adaptations, this isn't my favorite of, uh, of the comic versions. This is my favorite of what they did jumping from comic to screen. And that's really uh, difficult when you think about you have to adapt the story to the medium you're using. So instead of, you know, taking the five, seven pages of the comic and throwing it up on the screen and just using the storyboards, what else can you add to it? Can you add anything? Can you plus it up at all? And uh, if you listen to our last episode, Collection Completed, that's exactly what they did in that episode. They took a very base story and really adds, added some nuance, uh, changed some characterizations. Uh, there's probably a lot of improv going on there, if I'm being honest. Um, but even that's a bit of an adaptation. Uh, you're doing it live instead of writing it in a script. Um but yeah, uh, Collection Completed, I think, was one of the best form changes from book to screen. 
And then finally, my favorite adaptation, Dan, I think you brought up some really good points and Preston, I, I think as far as the comics, yeah, that, that was probably the best story. But when it came to translating it from book to screen, I'm probably going with the safe choice here, but it's and all through the house. I think that they just there's a reason that they've done the story twice now, whether that was in the film or whether it was in the series and the way that they took what was a very well-known comic book story from the classic series and made it into this holiday classic. It's just so we spent forever, not actually forever, but maybe like five minutes just talking about that opening shot and the establishing of the Mm -hmm. mood and everything like that. And it is, it feels simultaneously like a Christmas classic, but also like a comic book and it's just so well done the talent on that one was so immense you have a very talented director and you have the great cinematographer with dean cundy everything just came together to make that one truly the masterpiece that it is and i think that yeah that that episode had to be top of my list dan before we continue and talk about our favorite kill which is our final category before we do our rankings i gotta ask you my man We need the final count of the important stuff, the stuff that the people are here for, Mm -hmm. the stuff that we would tune in for. (laughs) Um, Give us all the details on what is the man-ass count. Well, we're not going to just do man-ass. We're going to do all of the nudie throughout season one. But Um, we got to start with the man-ass. All right, if we're starting with (laughs) man-ass. There was one dude butt slash man ass. Hell yeah, dude butt. Let's go. That's also offset by one female butt slash lady ass, one side boob, six boobies. So it does average out to one booby per episode, even though that's not what we actually got. They were all <laughs> in the first episode. Very top heavy, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There yeah. were some heavy tops up there. And of course, two shirtless, be- two shirtless beefcakes in Lover Come Hack to Me. And that's it. So, yeah, not not nearly as much nudity as you would have assumed from the reputation that the series has. But uh, again, doing some pre-work for season two, uh, looks like that might be changing very soon. Man, a single breast per episode average. What about that? Not bad. Not bad. It's better than my personal life. So, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How many breasts you keep it on? again? Are you averaging like a third of a boob a day? Is that is that what we're talking about? Uh, like every other day I might see a quarter of a titty. I don't know. <laughs> Beth, you gotta feed this man. This man's hungry. <laughs> we all need a little more side All right, and the one that you all have been waiting for, our favorite kill from season one. We'll keep the same order going. Preston, the top kill of the season for you. Man, this was tough because uh, we definitely had a few standouts, uh, at least for me. Man, the one that really did it for me, and this may not be the most violent, this may not be the most gruesome, I had to go to episode three. An episode I really liked. Dig that cat. 
he's real gone. I had to go with good old Joey Pants' death, episode three, casket twist death, as I like to call it. Um, because again, as I kind of alluded to, and geez, I, I actually was just referring to this comic. I actually just kind of realized that. Um, yeah, it was it was really surprising to me because it was a twist that, frankly, I did not see coming. Um, like I kind of established earlier in the episode, I had seen this one before, but it was one I was not as familiar with. I mean, maybe I'd seen this a time or two. So the twist itself was still really, uh, really surprising to me. And uh, I just love him at the end of that episode, realizing what's going on, him basically going, oh, shit you know, this is it for me. Help me, you know, banging on the casket. Really cool last shot. And uh, yeah, it was kind of, kind of powerful. You know, I know it's not, I know we're not doing a, a, a second or anything, but I will say just from like a violent, awesome slasher perspective, the other one that really stands out to me is from episode five, Lover Come Hack to Me. I mean, Peggy killing Charles at the end of the episode. I mean, that's a, that's a bloody good time right there. Now that Preston's taken everything <gasps> with his... No, I'm just playing. Uh, okay. I will just go ahead and hop in here before you, Dan, because my yeah. favorite kill was also from Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone, and it's not the finale. It's the Ulrich in the shooting gallery scene. Mm-hmm. Just oh, such yeah. a blast. I think that scene is super funny. I love them all uh, battling over who gets the privilege of killing the star of the show. I like the sailor that comes up that doesn't have enough cash. I like the kid whose dad like slaps him in the back of the head because he was too much of a puss <laughs> to, yes. to, to kill a guy. And I love that the guy who finally does it pulls out regional archery championship like <laughs> membership card. Uh, and the, he's so ecstatic to get... Uh, that arrow that he just killed Ulrich with. It's just a really funny sequence. And there's some great horror movie deaths and other ones like you brought up uh, the slasher kill and lover come hack to me, Preston. But when I'm thinking about the really memorable deaths in this season, I'm going to go for that one. Yeah. My top three were lover come hack to me, the shooting gallery kill. And of course my number one, which was from the last episode we talked about collection completed. There's a reason why on IMDb, you got plastered at the very top, this googly eyed, grotesque looking motherfucker, uh, just voodooed up, looking like Leatherface's dead grandpa sitting in the chair wearing a, a pink flower and animal suit. Yeah, it, it's it's the the reaction of Roy walking in and looking at that poor bastard sitting there. Collection completed. The stuffed gentleman in the chair. That's my number one. I love that pick. Great pick. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've got to do a ranking of the episodes, worst to best. So number six, (laughs) we're going to do these all separately. But for number six, uh, we might as well just all go at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Because we are talking, of course, about Leia Thompson's miraculous Oscar worthy role in Only Sin Deep. This was... Dan, you said, oh, I don't know if there's any bad ones. And I was like, huh? Really? You sure about that? (laughs) Sure about Um, that? Yeah, that is that is definitely the weakest link. I'm not as fond of the next episode on my list either, but I still think it's a pretty notable improvement from uh, Only Sin Deep. It really feels like that was the most half-baked episode. And really, it wasn't that captivating. And then also you're just anchored by an absolutely terrible lead performance. It easily was the dud 
uh, this season. Boring, a rote yet confusing story. And yeah, like you said, just awful performance by a beloved actress. It's a damn shame. Man, see, that's the thing with me. Like, almost more disappointing than the episode itself was the fact I saw Leah Thompson in something that I didn't like her in. I'm like, I did not realize that was a a possible thing. I remember mentioning that in the podcast uh, covering only Sin Deep. You know, this is definitely one uh, at the bottom of the list, one that I have no reason to revisit on any level, really. Um yeah, I mean it's it that was an easy choice. That was probably the easiest decision of this entire award show, if you will. Only Cindy being the the worst episode of season one, that's for sure. Leah Thompson's bad accent. Leah Thompson's bad accent. And if you want to hear what is possibly our most amusing episode of the season it's that one (laughs) yeah true (laughs) yeah that one that is it's just full of jokes we had to we had to we had to really spruce up that episode but number five on our list here dan why don't you hit me with your number five first i have a feeling this might be similar through all of us too uh lover come hack to me number five yeah yes it is you'd be correct it is for me too so we're all on the same page for this one too yeah it's again story we've kind of seen it a million times elevated a bit uh through some of the good performances and the atmosphere um but honestly it wasn't giving me a ton of new stuff except for that weird twist about the the cuck ghost uh which was kind of cool and unexpected (laughs) um yeah love or come heck to me that's my uh number five Preston? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to even think of, of what to add to that, really. Those are all great points. You know, I, I certainly, obviously, as my ranking goes, you know, it wasn't my least favorite of this season, but um, Amanda Plummer, I mean, to, to be positive, I thought she, her, her performance was good in this. Um, you know, it just, there's just not enough there for me to really kind of take it to the next level. Um yeah, that's probably the best way I could put it. It's it's fine, you know. To quote Dan, "Yay, hot enough for this role, sweetheart. Pack it up and take <laughs> it home." Oh, uh, oh, and to quote and to quote you, um, not literally. Uh, that might be one of our, you know, maybe second most entertaining episode, just because of your accent used throughout, <laughs> uh, Hunter. I mean, that that was sending you know chills down my spine the entire time. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say that it just wasn't 100. percent Perfect. Um, yeah, I think I could scam several old men out of their money with that voice. Like, I think I could, I could probably run a racket <laughs> down here in Florida. Um, but that wouldn't be very perfect of me. Go um, down to the villages. Put your, yeah, well, put I, your I, mega I head time on in the villages, my boy. I'm never going back. Uh, I did seven years in the villages. I'm good. Oh, um, we need to hear that story sometime. Oh God, I worked at the Best Buy in the villages. Oh uh, fuck. Yeah, (laughs) lover come hack to me. I I think you guys about covered it. I do really like the atmosphere of this episode. And I do think that it is a big step up 
from only sin deep like i think mm -hmm. they're at least a star difference if not a star and a half but mm -hmm. it's still you know not one that i'm really sure i'm going to revisit but you know i do think i think i said this in the episode but if you're doing like a halloween watchathon and you're hitting a bunch of creepy tales from the crypt episodes this is probably a pretty good one for you to add to the playlist i could see it hitting a couple of those you know spooky moods and vibes and plus you also get to listen to them like come loud as hell and who doesn't want that <laughs> well you did bring up a good point other than that hunter i i did forget how much i really did like this episode aesthetically i mean come on a good old haunted house stormy night uh that that was that was thumbs up for me for sure number four for me was collection completed which i think might be a little bit of a surprise to the rest of the guys because I don't know, Dan's been really praising this one. So I wouldn't be mm. surprised if this is number one. I don't want to spoil it, but this is where I think the lists are going to start to diverge a little bit. This one just, I really enjoyed it. It didn't line up as well with me as some of the other episodes. And I think it's just really hard. Not that this episode isn't technically sound, but when you're going up against those first three episodes, I mean, they're just immense, and I think they're really hard to topple. And in another season, Collection Completed might be a little bit higher, but for right now, I've got it in that number four slot. Dan, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is probably a good time for me to step in because Hunter, yeah. my man, we're on the same page thus far. Um, right. You know, we talked earlier in the episode, this season was really top heavy yeah you know what i'm saying um collection completed such a great time oh my gosh i mean that was such a, a fun episode covering that um but but yeah you know it, it does fall in the middle for me much like i kind of thought it was i thought it would that is when once we covered it um it's a blast i will absolutely re be revisiting it um a lot of laughs in here uh, but yeah it does come in at number four overall in my ranking as well Yep, not my number four. Uh, my number four was the man who was death. And by by the way, all four of these next ones, you know, this one included, are top notch, uh, very well rated, very good stories and shows and adaptations, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, man who was death. That one, as I was looking at these, it kept falling down lower and lower. Um, again, performance was great. Uh, story was pretty unique. Um, but. There's just, you know, a couple more that I liked a little bit more. Preston, number three. Ooh, number three. Again, episode I really liked. I mean, this is a standout. Dig that cat. He's real gone. Obviously loved the comic adaptation of this one as we just went over a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, man, this is just um, this is just a good one. And it's filled with really great characters. I mean, obviously, we talked about Joey Pants earlier, but Robert Wool. I mean, he is fantastic in this episode as kind of our, uh, you know, not our host. I mean, that's for the Crypt Keeper, but he's really kind of guiding the episode a little bit uh, as well, right? In that circus setting, loved all that. And uh, yeah, this was definitely a standout for me. And again, I mean, just the just the twists throughout, I was a really big fan of. Yep, that's my number three as well. And you said pretty much everything I was going to say. Uh, yeah, good twists, good acting, good performances, good atmosphere. Carnival atmosphere is always fun. Um, yeah, my number three. Number three for me is actually The Man Who Was Death. Um, this is obviously a really fantastic episode. I believe I gave it four severed thumbs up. Uh, a fantastic lead performance. But the truth is, just the next two, I think, are a little bit more 
iconic for me. And it's going to be interesting seeing where these three real big dogs of the series, where we kind of diverge on it, because um, we've already split up. So I'm curious if there's going to be any more overlap or if we're all on our own on these. But I don't fault you guys. These are all really great episodes. And uh, I think that The Man Who Was Deaf was a perfect start for Tales from the Crypt. Well, Hunter, that is my number two. Yes, The Man Who Was Death. Man, loved this episode. And uh, kind of as I got at uh, in the last episode I was talking about there, some really great supporting characters in Robert Winley from Terminator 2, Raymond O'Connor from uh, Halloween 4. Love that guy. And then William Sadler, man. I mean, this this is probably hands down my favorite you know, solo performance of this season one. He was just fantastic. And uh, yeah, this is just a really great overall episode. And uh, I hope that you listen to our in-depth review of it um, because yeah, it was the first episode after all, right? Man, that's a really good point. I, I think if anyone got the the Oscar uh, for best performance overall, it's probably William Sadler for that one in season one. I'm definitely going to add that to the list for next season we need to talk about best performance because that really is a a big one um so yeah we'll just continue to rip off the oscars we'll do best direction (laughs) best performer (laughs) for the next one but i don't feel that bad there's only six episodes here we got plenty of time to cover them all Who knows? By season two, this episode is probably going to be three hours long. So yeah, the man who was deaf at number two for Preston. Dan, what's your number two? So I went back and forth on these two a bunch. um, And they really are, for all intents and purposes, tied. uh, But I ended up uh, with And All Through the House is number two. And uh, we will go over why uh, once I get to number one, uh, what kind of edged the other one out. But uh, like I said, they're pretty much tied and all through the house. Classic. Uh, everyone knows it. Creepy Santa home invasion, top notch. Uh, Hunter, you already said, you know, great cinematography, great set direction, everything about it. Fantastic. Um, can't say much more. Just go listen to the episode. We've already creamed all over this one's face a bunch. <laughs> Um, Dan, I'm going to cream with you. I'm just going to continue to cream because we're talking about episode two and all through the house in the number two slot. Look, it's a holiday classic. It really is the highlight of the entire series for people on our full uh, uncensored (laughs) artwork, I guess you could say, (laughs) that you can see on the social media channels. Santa is prominently featured. He's front and center. This is an amazing episode that I've watched every year for years and years and years. That said, there was still one other episode, which this is the point where we got to drop the surprises because, you know, you can figure out what's ahead with only six episodes that we're talking about. But there was just one episode that I preferred a little bit more because of something Preston said earlier. So I'm going to hang it on that and we're going to go back to Preston for his number one. And then uh, I'll, I'll get to my point in just a minute. Oh man, let's all see let's all sing jingle bells, man, because my number 1 is and all through the house. And um you know what what more can I add? I mean, this is one of the more classic episodes of the entire series, quite frankly. And this is one that I this is my personal opinion. I think that this episode is actually 
kind of much better than the comic itself, especially upon revisiting it. Now, you know, the comic story is great. I mean, it, it does, it's pretty loyal to the story itself. However, it's the Christmas elements that kind of got me with the comic. Because if you base it on the first page and the last page, yeah, it's quite Christmassy. But kind of throughout, I mean, there's not too much Christmas stuff going on. And I'm a big holiday guy, man. Whether it's Halloween, whether it's Christmas, I mean, I want it I want it big. And uh, this episode, man, it really goes there. We get some great performances throughout, obviously. And um, and yeah, I mean, and, and just to kind of shed a spotlight on some of those performances, obviously, Mary Ellen uh, Trainer, Larry Drake, I mean, those just steal the show. And uh, that's my top episode of season one. But I will say that was not as easy of a decision as it may seem because you know, as we were getting at, the man who was death and dig that caddy's real gone in particular for me um, was really stiff competition for it. Number one for me was dig that cat. He's real gone. And I said, Preston, it, it was kind of in line with something you said earlier. And that's just that Joey P had my favorite performance of this season. He nice. anchors the mm. entire thing. And I think I said in that episode that I have a thing for sweaty scumbag Italian men. <laughs> and I'm standing by that <laughs> statement because he just really pulls off this great scumbag role. I think the story is great. I like the carnival setting, but his narration throughout really stuck with me. And it was the one episode that there was never any sort of fatigue like all of these episodes I've enjoyed preparing for the show, but that was the one where I almost didn't want to write down anything when it was on. Like I just wanted to pay full attention to it. And I honestly think that and all through the house is on the exact same level. Now in retrospect, I think I gave dig that cat 0.5, half of a severed thumb, you know, lengthwise, um, <laughs> <laughs> a That's little right. bit of a little bit of a leg up, but overall, I think that they're very close to being on the same level, and it all just came down to personal preference for me. And uh, Joey, my dude, you pulled it off. You clinched that number one spot. Now you got me debating because Joey P's performance is pretty good. Preston, who would you vote for if if we were gun to our heads, gonna give someone an Oscar uh, right now? Who? What would your vote be for best performance? Man, I I do lean William Sadler per personally. I mean, I loved the, that other episode and and what Joey P did. I mean, I I'm not gonna not gonna argue. Absolutely not. That's certainly a very close second for me. But man, William Sadler, I just love that Southern, just, mm. you know, and, and just his character itself, right? He's he's the, uh, you know, executioner who, you know, loves his job a little too much, right? And he gets let go and, and, and kind of takes it into his own hands. And I don't know, man, I, I do lean that one, but taking nothing away from Joey P. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Sadler. Yeah, he does bring a little more gravitas to the role than Joey Pants does. I mean, they're both fantastic, but yeah. But let's let's give the award to, to Sadler unless, Hunter, you want to try to argue away. No, because I will tell you that Sadler, if he won, this is one of those best actor situations that happen every year where it's like, I have my favorite, but if they won, I'm not disappointed. And that's oh, yeah. how I feel about Sadler because he does pull off and like just his his accent work in that episode alone, I think is worthy yeah. of praise. Like 
he does this incredible southern accent uh where's he from oklahoma i think in the episode yeah Yeah. he's he's just fantastic front to back and uh that episode completely hinges on him i think that with dig that cat he's real gone the story itself could kind of lift that episode if it didn't have a great performance to really solidify it meanwhile the man who was deaf I don't think that story works without a really great performance without, mm. you know, him kind of at the forefront of it. I think that entire episode could have fallen apart. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, he, he deserves it. And Joey Panza's is kind of trading blows a bit with uh, with the Barker in that episode for for performance wise. Agreed. And even yeah. even Cora Lee, like Cora Lee yeah. is hilarious in that. Like that is an episode that is really boosted by how many great characters are in it and how much fun you're having watching them. Because even the side characters like I just brought up, I love the people that I love the grandma that wants to shoot Ulrich in that episode. <laughs> like she's great. Like all those characters, no matter how minor, made a little bit of an impact on me. Meanwhile, the man who is deaf the rest of the characters are inconsequential, but William Sadler completely carries the whole thing. Well, there we go. We did it. Didn't plan on it, but we gave someone a best actor award. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then best direction. We'll just go ahead and give it to Zemeckis for yeah. all through the house. Right. Oh yep. yeah. Yeah. No argument. Yeah. Well, there you go. You got him in this season too, but Dan, I think you're last up with your number one. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of shock to you too, but collection completed, man. I don't know. There was just something about this episode. I think some of it might have to do with the placement where it was the follow-up to our you know, lowest two on our list. So maybe it, it appeared uh, a little higher than it actually is. But like I said, I had a blast with it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it still takes that dark turn near the end, uh, where it gets pretty fucking dark. Um, yeah. Uh, great writing like i said it got my best adaptation oh there you go there's another one best adaptation oscar um you're right yeah collection completed it's, it's my favorite for the season and that brings us to the end of season one of tales from the crypt thank you all so much for joining us as we've launched horrors from the vault it's truly been an amazing experience so far and dan and preston can tell you uh, i i don't want to speak for them but i simultaneously will so if you guys have anything else to say shut your fucking trap but <laughs> this this has been so much fun for us to do and i i just I I knew going into this that there was an audience for a show like this, but being able to see the reactions that have come out of it already so far has truly been one of the highlights of my entire podcasting career and getting to do it with these two guys. uh, I just couldn't ask for better co-hosts. So thank you guys. I really appreciate you being here with me every single week, donning the robes, diving into the catacombs and the vaults. And it's just been so much fun. So thanks dudes. Yeah, bruv, I've never had this much fun putting this much work into something. So appreciate you uh, putting everything together too, getting it started. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Both you guys just, just killing it, man. I mean, it's, it's so crazy to me because first of all, I mean, this is something that we had talked about for, I mean, hell, such a long period of time. And I mean, when we do this, it genuinely feels like, you know, I'm just hanging out with who I consider to be two of my best friends and covering this great franchise. And it's so, 
and I know a lot of podcasts say this, guys, but I mean, seriously, it's so humbling to have other people follow along, chime in, be a part of it with us in what I consider, you know, us just hanging out, having a good time. So it's it's such a such a pleasure. And I'm so happy that others are joining and, and enjoying it. You know, that's a plus, right? People are liking what they hear so far. At least I hope so. So now thank you so much. And it's been so fun. And, and we're just going to keep the ball rolling. Let's not make this sound like a wrap up episode, though, boys. We got like 87 more plus extra episodes to go. So, fuck. Woohoo! All right. Let's go ahead and get out of here. This ends the first ever award show from Hars from the Vaults. Once again, this has been the Eerie Excellence Awards. Title subject to change. I don't know. It just sounded good to me. Um, Dan, Preston, thanks for being here, my guys. Preston, go ahead. Give us the details where folks can keep up with you. Yeah, brother. Find me over at Letterboxd at Preston967. Same on Twitter. Under Preston Green uh, on Facebook. Um, Yeah, guys, that's like my radio thing. Don't worry about it. It's confusing. But yeah, you can find me over there as well. So uh, yeah, keep up with us, man. We're having fun. Preston is an award-winning radio person or something. (laughs) So go follow that too. Self-proclaimed. Do you want me to go? I'm going to go. Of course go. I do, Dan. Yes. Hey, everybody. If you want to catch up with me, I'm on Letterboxd, too. That's Daniel P. Sims with two M's. I'm on there. You can watch all the terrible horror movies I watch as I desperately try to find something good again. Not all of them are good out there, <laughs> let me tell you. I watched a 70-minute stinker last night that I thought was going to be good, and it wasn't. It felt like it was two hours long. Anyway. Daniel P. Sims on Letterboxd, uh, on Reddit. Oh, it's Reddit. Shit. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. (laughs) I'm on Reddit, but I don't know. Whatever. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Blue Sky, all the the socials at Red Right Dan. Also, all those socials except for Facebook and TikTok. You can follow the pod at Horror Vault Pod and email the podcast at HorrorVaultPod at gmail.com. And Dan, what's your OnlyFans account, please? I'm making. Oh, oh it's it's only Dan's. Uh, we are a group <laughs> of large bearded men, thick boys. We eat pudding. We eat pizza with cheese, and uh, it's ten dollars a month, and you'll love it. Sometimes we have pants, sometimes we don't. Always have shirts because we're bare spire bodies. Thank you. Sexy. We always pay the extra dollar for cheese on this podcast, and don't you dare fucking doubt it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just me you guys don't pay the dollar extra for cheese bring it on yeah, for yeah. wait for extra cheese yeah yeah you pay a dollar extra you get extra cheese it's only a dollar i mean most places the philly cheese nah, stuff, I, I, I feel that they, they charge like a whole extra top it's like 250 <laughs> oh god <laughs> fucking ohio man <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is right here on Horrors from the Vault. But you can also find me on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, Grim Grinning Hosts, and Disorder, every Disney film. If you want to follow my personal accounts, the best place to do that is on Letterboxd. You can find me at Discount Vincent Price on, uh, well, I just mentioned Letterboxd, but you can also find me on Instagram if that strikes your fancy. I'm going to go ahead and end this episode like like my favorite character from this entire season. So... Thank you for listening to Horrors from the Vault. We really appreciate you and we hope you had a perfect time. And just remember, we made a baby and it's only this thick. 
Sick son of a bitch. <laughs> Cryptkeeper, let's get out of here. Right.